Welcome to the Too Posh Podcast. I am Gabrielle. I am a former New York Mafia princess, originally from Austria. I am the mother of three and the owner of Too Posh Boutique. And here with my beautiful co-host, Marcella, my daughter. Hello, I'm Marcella. I'm a dancer, choreographer, model, and designer for Too Posh. And I say whatever the f*** I want. Hi, my name is Cruz. I am a stylist. I also own the Society Salon in the Design District. And I am a short little Mexican with a big personality. I am Polly. <laughs> I am a certified sexual health consultant and educator, former professional dominatrix, currently working at the largest adult novelty store in the Texas Panhandle. What will they say next? Welcome to the Too Posh Podcast. Welcome to the Too Posh Podcast. My name is Marcella and I am your host today and we thank you for joining us on another episode of the Too Posh Podcast. I would like to welcome our amazing co-host Cruz. Hola. Our amazing Miss Polly. Hello, hello. Our wonderful tech Nishin, all the things. He helps us with everything. Spider. Oh, I had my oh. mic. Guten tag. <laughs> oh, my mom would be so proud of you. I'm so happy. And my mother is not here today, so it's just us. But then we also have our amazing guest, Miss Dominique Pianelli. hey And we talked all things of her tech life and business on her first episode. So make sure you guys check that out. And today on this episode, we're going to get down to what makes Dominique who she is (laughs) and how you grew up and what some things you went through in your life Mm -hmm. and how you can maybe help other people that are going through those things. Amazing stories. I've known Dominique a long time, but I'm going to let her talk (laughs) and we'll get started. Just take us back quickly a little bit to how you grew up and your family and all that stuff. Um, So as my name kind of alludes, I'm an Italian and (laughs) French uh, descendant. Uh, (laughs) So I grew up in a very Italian household. Uh, here in the burbs of Dallas, mm-hmm. good old Capel. So are both your parents Italian? Uh, no, my dad is. My mom's actually French, and wow. she has black hair and blue eyes and is, like, brown. Because you don't look Italian either. Right, I know. It's and you don't look French. <laughs> Except for when I went to France, they thought I was a uh, from France. Really? <laughs> yeah, they were like, uh, bonjour, comment ça va? And I'm like, oh, bonjour. Oui, oui, oui. <laughs> What's up? Hey. <laughs> um yeah, so like grew up in a, a very Italian family oriented household. So like my mom's family is uh, five siblings. My dad actually didn't grow up with siblings, but he has 40 something first cousins because my grandpa had 10 brothers and sisters and he grew up in New York. So to set the stage, every Christmas holiday that you could possibly imagine Huge. is just a big celebration of family and food. And I will tell you, we are a very food focused family. <laughs> like everything revolves around our next meal. Uh-huh. Um, who's going to be there? What kind of Frank Sinatra rap pack are we going to listen to at the dinner table? But I uh, grew up in Coppell, um, really like stereotypical life up until like I got to like my late middle school, early high school. Um, That's when everything happens. Yeah, man. And you have two sisters. I do. I have two younger sisters. And actually for, if you have been listening to our show a long time, I wanted to touch on really quickly that 
Nicolette Pianelli was on our show in the very, very beginning. Mm -hmm. And that's your youngest sister. Yes. So family is Pianelli. Yeah. So now Pianelli. now we have you in here and I'm so happy you're here. But I just wanted to mention your siblings also. Yes. They are are the light of my life. Mm -hmm. I would do anything for them. Yes. I am super protective over my family. Like, you know, we kind of talked about this in our, our last episode, but I'm a black belt in Taekwondo. So like I have this natural inclination to like go after people <laughs> if they're like not treating my sisters right. <laughs> and, but your mom is like that though. Yeah. Very I, protective. Very protective. Uh, plenty of stories of her putting guys up against the wall and, you know, saying, don't you dare talk to my brothers like that and embarrassing them in high school. And mm-hmm. very True s- Italian family. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But even, Very passionate. Yes, we love deeply. We're also a little crazy. <laughs> That's okay. So then middle school and tell us kind of what started to happen then. Yeah. So like, oh God, middle school was not kind to me. Girls obviously start to get meaner. I was very right oh my god I actually lost a lot of friends in middle school I became a kind of like a loner um very Avril Lavigne like (laughs) you know rocker type girl it's when I started to wear mad were you just mad no I just like taekwondo was my thing and I was around guys and for me like qualities that were highly praised were very male dominating kind of qualities less feminine qualities so you've always been kind of like a A guy's girl yeah since I was a kid, I don't. Guys, girl, or girls, guy, guy, guys, girl, guys, guys, girl. girl. I don't, I don't know. know either. Hot <laughs> boy. Yes. Very, very. Uh, I had lots of guy friends. <laughs> uh, I went to like arm wrestling. I mean, if if you really think back, oh like God. Marcella was at the hospital when I was born, and my dad, actually, your mom and dad had a wiffle ball and bat for me when I came out of the womb because they really thought that I was going to be a boy. Boy. Yeah. Um, I'm basically like my dad's boy. <laughs> I pay, I played baseball with him growing up. Like I'm very like sport sporty. I'm like the sporty spice of my sister group. And you're the oldest. <laughs> yes. So yeah, she carry. You are the take care of caretaker. I'm a caretaker. Yeah. So your dad wanted a boy and you were it. <laughs> I feel, I feel yeah. like he got a perfect combination of a girl and a boy. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So I still go to baseball games with him. Like baseball is one of my favorite things to go watch. But um, yeah, so like into middle school, uh, a lot of stuff kind of changed. Like for, for me, like my house was always, um, you know, very family focused. And as I got a little older, um, I I lost a lot of girlfriends. I really started leaning on my guy friends and um, hanging out with them. And like they're stoners, of course, like the the guys are, you know, all of anyone in high school. I don't remember anyone that wasn't. Um, But I would hang out with like my guy friends and all the girls would try and pull me into cheerleading and things like that. But I just like that wasn't my interest. I really was focused on Taekwondo growing up. And for me, it was an escape from like my I don't know if it's like teenage angst that you have. Yeah. But I had lots of teenage angst around like not feeling pretty because I was very tomboyish and like all my girlfriends had guys that were just super interested in them. And I loved, um, you know, being a part of the guys group because that's how I was socially accepted by them. But I never was one they wanted to date. <laughs> and right. so it was Until like, now. <laughs> yeah, right. right. <laughs> it, it took forever. Like I was the ugly duckling, if you will. No, um, she was. Yes, I was. I had buck teeth and they were crossed. <laughs> <laughs> I've known you your whole life. She's never been ugly in a 
a day. Okay. But anyways, continue. I'm glad you don't think so. <laughs> that was my self-perception. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but like as I got into high school cheerleading and stuff, like my girlfriends pulled me away from some of my passions because of peer pressure and things. Like I just really started to reject the things that I really had a lot of interest in. And, like taekwondo, what else? Yeah, well, I just was really nerdy. Like I was very into tech and all that stuff. And I loved hanging out with my dad. So like- So you've kind of just, it's always been inside you. Yeah, I've always been a super nerd. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and as I like went into high school, cheerleading was okay. You know, you did it just to be like part of the. I did it crew. so I could hang out with my girlfriends. Right. I really didn't do it because I liked cheerleading. It grew on me by the time I was a junior and senior, but I really just <sighs> didn't love it. I didn't love it. The girls were very mean. They did not like the fact that I was an independent thinker and did my own thing and prioritized Taekwondo over stupid JV football <laughs> games and basketball games and such. But, um. So were you in competitions and stuff for cheer taekwondo? and Taekwondo? Yeah. Um, since I was like four, I've been competing. I have like a slew of trophies and stuff in my room. It's wow. it's hilarious, like how many there are. I was looking at it. Today. Anyone else in your family do that? Um, Juliana and Nicolette both did it too, but like I was the one that they kept on. Yeah, you know, I got to beat up punching bags and things. <laughs> and <laughs> are they a little bit more girly? Or yes, Juliana's nickname was Pinky Pianelli. Okay, <laughs> mm-hmm. and then Nicolette was more d- dance dancer oriented and of course like I fell in love with dance and stuff as I got into high school and but I uh I was definitely more of the sporty spice and Nicolette is like uh, kind of a combination of sporty spice and Victoria spice mm-hmm. I'm posh. doing a spice girl reference posh yeah posh posh get it right yeah <laughs> then <Sorry. laughs> Juliana Juliana's very um like, I, I wouldn't say dainty. She's just very, like, put together and sweet. She's very sweet. Yeah, she's very endearing. She's ballet and is a very kind soul. And I was just, like, the rough around the edges, like, kind of girl. Yeah. But I'll let you. Well, and then do you do you want to talk? About yeah. Okay. We can. So then your mom, who I've known forever, mm-hmm. um, when, so tell us a little bit about your mom and that whole experience and what happened in your household. Sure. So, like, as I got into middle school, like, my mom's always been, like, the PTA-type mom, super involved, like, very loving. She's probably, like, the most deep and caring person you'll ever meet. And over, over like, time, as I got older, my mom started to, like, be a little different in how she would, like, kind of treat me. And it wasn't in, like, a bad way. It just, like, was very unrecognizable mm-hmm. as I would grow up. as confusing for me as a kid um, because, well, now that you look back, we knew she was drinking. But we right. didn't really know until I was in college that that was kind of happening. And I know we— How old were you, did you say, when you first started feeling like that? Uh, probably 14 or 15. Okay. Um, right about the time where I hit puberty. I actually didn't start puberty until I was like 15. <laughs> I didn't either. I think it happened later yeah. years ago. It was <laughs> soon. Yeah, girls are starting puberty at night. That way. Yeah. Yeah. No, that happens it's the a lot food that with they girls eat. that yes. are active. It's all the hormones. It's the, all yes. the hormones. Yep. I'm not kidding. Yes. yes. Anyway. But it's, a lot of it's when, they're, when you're really active too. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. That can delay... Puberty. Yeah, yeah, I was I was actually um, under 100 pounds all the way up until college. So like yeah. I was less than 10% body fat through school. Um, oh. So like I really didn't develop or anything. So, again, another reason why I was picked on and overlooked because I wasn't like the normal <laughs> female. <laughs> and I could actually like 
leg press and throw these guys in high school. So like definitely not someone you want to date. <laughs> very strong. Yes. I'm actually still very, very strong. It's I'm sure unsettling how strong I am. It's like an ant, you know, lifting five times its weight. Um, But really like growing up, it was like once I got into like my sophomore year, maybe junior year in high school, I started because I was a guy's girl, hung out with guys all the time. My guy friends would like come over and hang out. And I had my first boyfriend like sophomore year in high school and like my first kiss and like all those things. So I would have the guys come hang out and we had a hot tub at the house. And like, of course, like I'm used to my family hosting people and we have, you know, food and all of that stuff. My mom would do ham and eggs at night and it would be like one, like 12 o'clock at night, like maybe one o'clock in the morning. We would be having ham and eggs and like my guy friends who were seniors would be like, let's go hang out with <laughs> We're going to do, you know, ham and egg night. And like, of course, like I thought that was super cool. And as I like, you know, got into like my rebellious teenage years, like, don't tell me what to do. I'm going to do what I want to do. <laughs> right. Do I, what I want. Uh-huh. Do what I want. Um, I, I started to like have butt heads with my mom a lot. And mm-hmm. it wasn't until like I got into college, I understood why. Um, but I just like, I would find like glasses around the house with like wine in it and stuff like that. And that's when I first started thinking like, you know, maybe mom's drinking a little much, mm-hmm. but it it really didn't cross my mind like bad until I got into my like freshman and sophomore year in college. And did, you're out of the house. Already. And I was out of the house. Yeah. Now, did you, was it from Nicolette that you feel like you knew more that like your younger sister, cause she was home more but who like really how did you figure it out yeah um probably when I got a phone call that she fell and split her face Mm -hmm. and I was I think maybe a sophomore in college I was at uh, OU and or maybe I was a junior honestly like those years kind of blend together Mm -hmm. because of just trauma trauma and chaos and stuff but um one of my like big moments of realization was when I was at Arizona State my freshman year and I was cheerleading. I was actually on a billboard. I was on the KTAR sports radio station billboard for the spirit squad. And I actually had a stalker in school. So now you've developed. I I developed and um, I was still a rail. (laughs) And my mom happened to come to a game and this guy came up to her and was like, I'm really good friends with your daughter. Let's hang out. And I saw this guy in the stands and like he had been stalking me for a little while, like at the football games. And I had to have security um, escort him off the property a few times because he'd get really drunk with his buddies um, at the game. Well, when he met my mom, it like absolutely terrified me because I was like, holy shit, we'll come to find out like. That's like my mom's worst nightmare because <laughs> my mom went through some stuff when she was growing up and um, had a lot of trauma to her when she was in her early 20s. So, mm-hmm. you know, coming for full circle, my mom was basically living the nightmare that she had had when she was younger. Yeah. Hence why the downward spiral began. <laughs> yeah. And you're and then I think when we had Nicolette on the show and you can correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. but Nicolette was talking about how she's the youngest so she saw a lot of the stuff that I don't think you saw or mm-hmm. what were was experiencing and I don't know if that had something to do with Nicolette and if you if we go back Nicolette also had addiction 
yeah, stuff going on, which we'll fast forward to where she is now, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. But do you feel like they that like hurt Nicolette in a way or did she tell you? Did Nicolette ever talk to you? Yeah. So when so Juliana came to school mm-hmm. at OU, she came there and we had a semester together. Um, my sisters would call me. Actually, Juliana would call me. So she and I were closer growing up mm-hmm. because Nicolette and I had such an age gap. By the time I was in college. What are the age difference? So Juliana's three and a half years younger than me and Nikki's five and a half years younger. So Jules and I actually are four grades apart and Nikki and I are six grades apart because they're October birthdays. So I never had high school with Jules. So once I was in school and I had that extra half semester, mm-hmm. I got to have a freshman semester, first semester with Juliana and my final semester with my capstone classes at OU with her. But really it was probably around then that Juliana started telling me about a lot of the stuff at home. And like, I'd come home to watch Nicolette mm-hmm. um, at her Lariat games, like cheer or dance, not cheer, Juliana <laughs> would cheer um, and watch her dance and like, you could just tell my mom was not her. Like, did that scare you or what did that make you feel like? Cause it's your mom. Honestly, like it's embarrassing. I was embarrassed if I really am like honest with myself. Yeah. My anger came from embarrassment and okay. I really like was like, this isn't the person I know. This mm-hmm. isn't my mom. I think I've probably been quoted quite a few times. Like this is not my mom. This is not who I know. The woman I know is like the person that runs around and does the Congo with us in the house. And like we eat food and we enjoy each other's company. Like that addiction really took a toll on her personality and the woman that I know and love so much. It was like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Right. It stole your mom. Right. Stole my mom. Right. The person that I look up to as a maternal figure and someone who I would emulate and as much as I could because mm-hmm. I wasn't super feminine, right? So like my dad was really my role model mm-hmm. in a lot of things. And as I've done a lot of, uh, lots of therapy, <laughs> I have come to realize like there was a lot of stuff that like my mom's trauma comes from her mom and like it's generational trauma. Like this is my grandmother had a addiction problem and that might not be popular opinion. Um, I'm sure her parents had problems as well, but like, as I've gone through therapy, it's been generational like trauma that gets passed down. And it's so interesting. And that's called something, right? What is is that? Because I know that my mom had told me that you guys talked about that on the phone, that the generational curses yeah. is what I've heard of. It. Yeah. yeah. Generational curse. Yeah. It's horrible because like, okay, so if we take a step back and I'm going to just go into like a neurosciencey thing, which Nicolette could probably tell you way more about, um, your nervous system is established when you're in the womb, mm-hmm. right? All of the cortisol levels and hormones impact your nervous system and your ability to regulate it. Well, if you really look at the point in which you are at least created as an egg, like you, your genetic makeup, mm-hmm. it's when you're in your grandmother. Yep. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, so like yep. you you as an egg are in your mom's womb, mm-hmm. in your grandmother's, grandmother's womb being womb. created. What? Yeah, so like all the cortisol yep. and hormones from your grandmother have been passed on to you. Yep. Wow, that's interesting. That's why it like spans many, many, many generations. Okay. So mm-hmm. like your nervous system and regulating it is actually what allows you to properly like take your emotions and process them and then come out or fight uh, out of like the fight or flight mode or like a shutdown mode and like actually stress regulate normally. management. Yes. So like my stress management's horrible. <laughs> It's hence why I'm like super OCD and like perfectionist. That's where my perfectionism disorder comes from. It's really cool. So when you say you were embarrassed, mm-hmm. like 
explain about that. Wait, wait, did she do stuff that was embarrassing? Yeah. So like, okay. So if I can paint a picture, because like I visualize this in my head. Um, My mom's super outgoing. She's very similar to me in a lot of ways. She'll talk your ear off for hours. Uh, But it would be like repetitive, same sentence five times. In front of other people. In front of other people, slurring words, like, and then not understanding what you're saying and getting angry at you for not understanding what you're saying and being obnoxious and (sighs) blaming you for things that you didn't do. <laughs> I had many incidents of that or like amplifying an a, an argument or something with me over something that was like super trivial. It would be like a whole ordeal and it'd be like three days of conversations to like resolve it. And this would be like with your peers? And yeah, stuff. like my girlfriends. I mean, there was also when my mom would um, be passed out at the house and we'd play jokes on her and we always thought it was hilarious because my mom had sleeping issues. Um, and she would just wake up and kind of like zombie around the house at night. So we would like, you know, try and wake her up. And it was hilarious when we were 15 and 16 to see my mom, like be disoriented and not know where she is and like play jokes on her. Mm -hmm. But like, as I got older, I realized like that wasn't funny. And sometimes it would just go too far. Like it wouldn't be a ha ha. It'd be like a full blown fight. Right. But like, I say this as. All the learnings I have are way more clear on like the actual incidents that happened when I would grow up. So uh, maybe I'll let you ask some more questions. I could talk in different well, directions. Do you have anything you want to ask? Uh, I was, I mean, I was, I'm just very curious yeah. about, you know, what was, you know, embar- what those triggers that got you, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think most of the time it would be like her falling over herself or slurring her words in front of, in front like, of friends, friends and- or... Like those ham and egg nights, she would offer my guy friends wine. Mm -hmm. And we had like those big bottles of wine at the house. So like I used to sneak wine (laughs) in high school. You know, mom's not going to notice. It's a big bottle. (laughs) But it was kind of like the things that it, it just, it wasn't her. Those things were the embarrassing things because my mom was like really cool person. And she would become super uncool in my eyes when she would be like talking to me certain ways it was very like demeaning Mm -hmm. at times like because she wouldn't understand what was actually going on and it just got more and more and more and longer and longer and yeah all of a sudden it was just constant yeah not yes (laughs) well and lots of um because you guys would you then confront her and then she'd stop Never. no so like if i ever confronted her it would turn into like a huge war huge war yeah i got in so many fights with her in Mm -hmm. high school because like i had a really shitty boyfriend in high school who i used to drive to prosper to see i think you remember this person (laughs) he was horrible he's a complete a-hole and i would go out there and i just i wanted to just be away from coppell because like people were rude to me and picked on me a lot in high school so like I just looked for any kind of like endearing or acceptance when I was younger and he was very accepting but very mentally abusive emotionally abusive um and so like my mom and I would get in huge fights but she'd tell me I could go and then I'd go to prosper and then I'd come back and she'd say I didn't tell you you could go and then I'd get in fights with her and my dad and then she'd point fingers at me and tell me I'm the bad person. <laughs> I'm like, but you said I could go. I don't understand. 
But now I realize and, and she probably like didn't remember. 15, 16 years old. So you're just kind of confused as well. Very confused. Yeah. It was, it was jarring, right? Someone <clears throat> that you trust mm-hmm. and like you talk to. And, and it's your mom. It's my mom. Mm-hmm. It was just like very. You look up to her. Yeah. It was, it was hard. And then that got double trauma when you have your sister now. Right. So like, um, as, as I got into college and she actually came up a few times, like the, the progressiveness of the embarrassment got worse and worse and worse because it was just like, she couldn't keep a lid on it as she got further into like drinking and, um, coping with her own problems. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I was date my ex-boyfriend and I were at dinner with his mom at the time and she came up and like, I'll never forget as long as I live her yelling at me because I went to go pay for the check because she couldn't stand. And I was like, she like grabbed my arm and was like, you're at a restaurant, at a restaurant, like made a scene. And I was like, come on, dude, like you just literally met him (laughs) and you just, or just met his mom. And like, can you just like sit down, please? I got screamed at for like two days. I got pointed fingers at like I treated my mom bad and like there was a lot of just he's she said she said and like pecking sides judgment yeah and and it just got worse and like I slowly started pulling away from her but I felt so guilty because of Juliana and Nicolette and like Nikki I knew was hanging out with like the druggies but like I had no idea how bad it was for her Juliana would call me and tell me about things but then Nicolette called me when my dad was flying on a trip. Usually my mom's benders would happen when she was, he was traveling and she called and was like hysterical crying. Apparently she had just come back from a party. I had no idea. This is like, you know, two years later that she told me she just come back from a party. She's a little drunk. She's like watching my mom stumble around the house. She fell. She split her, split her face open and wanted to have her go to the hospital. But my mom refuses to do anything. She just kind of like, she fell on, on the brick, yeah, she and split her face. Really split her face. Yeah. It's very scary. It was very scary. I actually, I'm pretty sure I called your mom. Yeah, my mom came over. Yeah. And it was very, it's just traumatizing. It's traumatizing <sighs> yeah. to see, to know Desiree is to know that she is just such a beautiful human being. And then mm-hmm. to watch, like, you know, you can't save them from themselves. Like, you right. don't know what to do. And so it's very sad. It's like, what do you do? You know, and then all these things that keep happening and then that being your mom, I would assume is just so difficult. It's like, there's no, nothing stays calm. Yeah. I think by that point in time, I actually stopped really thinking. I I stopped being disappointed at that point and really started becoming more protective over my sisters. I turned into that like motherly figure, I guess. Mm -hmm. And that's how I like, that was my MO for about five or six years. And it's taken me a while to like kind of undo that whole, like they can't take care of themselves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but Nicolette called and was hysterical and called your mom. And then I was like, I really need to call my dad, but he hasn't worked in a while and he needs to go to work and he needs to fly. Like, right. Cause he's going halfway across the continental U S to make some deals happen. Mm-hmm. And my dad works at, at will. Like he is, you know, he does his own thing. Like mm-hmm. he's, you know, it doesn't have like a company that employs him. My dad's consultant and venture capitalist and like does a lot, you know, for himself. He's an entrepreneur. So like he was literally finally at an opportunity to go work and this happens. And I was just like conflicted. Like, how do I handle this? Like as a big sister, 
I wanted to drive down, but I was four hours away. She needed to go to the hospital. Like, hey, Gabrielle. <laughs> <laughs> Nicolette crying on the phone, like, scarred me for a long time. I felt, imagine. Like, I felt like a failure of an older sister, like that I wasn't there to protect her and Juliana. Mm-hmm. And it was like, was really hard like yeah I, I to this day like it chokes me up because like right well <sighs> and with Nicolette I feel so you know I think do you carry guilt for like Nicolette then having her stuff yeah I I carry guilt shame and because I'm a perfectionist it's like why didn't I correct this Mm -hmm. why didn't I do that's the kind of like language I have to myself it's why did you fail at this why failure for me is very detrimental for me Mm -hmm. personally um because failure meant lots of detrimental consequences it was not like oh you failed like you'll get over it it was like physical problems yeah that could occur and I think I I have been processing that guilt for a while, but it's also like understanding the makeup of which my family dynamic as my dad started to take care of my mom and focusing on her, how I took more of a emotional, I took on emotionally, not that my sisters needed it, but I took on emotionally that like protective role for them because I didn't feel protected. And if we go just so that people can understand when they're listening, Mm -hmm. um, Nicolette battled a heroin addiction. Yes. And I might be wrong, but did you save her life at one point or was that Juliana? Somebody I thought Juliana found stuff in her bag mm-hmm. and turned her in. So Juliana is the person that did that. Okay. Um I again was in Oklahoma. So this is why like turned a Harry, her into where? Turned her into my parents. Okay. She found it's one thing to turn to her parents, and I didn't turn yeah. right. To, yeah, yeah, to the police. Parents. Yeah, no, she turned her into my mom and dad, and that was um, probably I was like 2006. Yeah, I think. And how did now? Did you know Nicolette was doing heroin? I had no idea. Actually, I didn't know until after she went to rehab that she was doing like hardcore drugs. Like I knew she was smoking and doing like. Some yeah, light party, things yeah. and partying. I had no idea the extent at which she was consuming all <clears> sorts <throat> of opioids and everything. I So that had to be traumatizing. Finding out my sister was like randomly on a street looking for stuff was like horrifying to me. Mm-hmm. That like So I have a, a question too. Sure. So So your sister goes to rehab. Yep. What about your mom? <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> so you know, I'm just oh yeah, that's a good question. How, Very um, good question. Are we talking about the first time or how many times? Oh, okay. um, so it's multiple times that your mom has been. Yes. Um, the first time my mom went to rehab was because she had an incident mm-hmm. and actually needed to go. Was it forced rehab or was it on her will? Quote forced, okay. but not really forced. It doesn't it's, really work unless you yeah, want to. Yeah. Do well, it. she didn't want really to. want to. So here's one of the things that I can't. It drives me crazy. She'll say she wants to do it and then doesn't actually want to do it, but she's like putting on a front. It's very, um, 
for show. Ra- yes, it's happy rainbows and sunshine, and we're gonna do this, and it's gonna be great. No, I'm gonna be so much better. And it's like, okay, but you don't actually admit that you're an alcoholic. So, like, how is that gonna actually work? I mean, that's mm-hmm. Step one, right? Yep. Yeah, and she yep. she would actually get angry at me when I'd say you're an alcoholic. Like, it's really really clear you're an alcoholic. Like, why can't you say it? Well, I'm not really. I'm not like these people. I'm no, not you like are. Everybody else. <laughs> I'm not like everyone else. I'm different. Denial. <laughs> Uh, I can stop if I want to. Right. Call, call her Cleopatra because she's queen of denial. <laughs> um, <laughs> yep. I really like, I had a hard time with that because I was actually the second person in my family to say that she was an alcoholic out loud. Like, I think we all thought it. Um, my grandmother, my dad's mom actually called her out on it um, a few times. And that caused Your dad's me. mom, not yeah. her mom or dad's mom. Well, my mom's yeah. mom passed away when I was seven. Okay. Um, my, we also think it was from taking things and she had an aneurysm and stuff but um my dad's mom was like desi you need to stop drinking and caused a whole bunch of hoopla and of course like how do you pick between your mom and your wife like that's especially when when yeah your mom's probably on the right side well and (laughs) i mean not your mom but yeah mom yeah well and your dad i've never like seen somebody love someone so hard the way that he loves his wife is like it's like notebook love oh my god it makes me like almost emotional i still haven't seen that movie (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah we talked about that on the show before (laughs) sorry that was so random (laughs) yeah i like you okay so i'm i'm very outgoing like my mom but i am super deep emotionally in my soul and love very deeply when i give myself to someone is there and i get very attached to people i'm very like my dad and it's interesting to like have both personality traits of your parents and see like the dynamic that happens and you know the fights and the threaten threatens the threats and like being blamed for things and just yeah as uh, the rehab facility was actually something i laughed at the first time i i laughed out loud because i was like ha this is not gonna work <laughs> Like, if, if I can't even have a conversation with you about this, how in the God hell are you going to? Yeah. How are the hell are you going to actually accomplish this? Right. You know, because the first thing is just like admitting you have issues. Um, and she can't. And she was, I mean, my mom's super stubborn. Like, she also, so I think like a positive, like really mm-hmm. fast is your sister who yeah. we haven't, we had her on, but this was like at the beginning, she was been sober. She was mm-hmm. sober on our show. Yep. But right now she just graduated with um, what my mom told me the same degree as the doctor that saved her life in rehab. Yes. Is that correct? She did. Yes. yes. So, all of, all of the trauma and stuff we went through growing up was like, some of the most insightful stuff that we could have ever done because Nicolette became super passionate about helping people like her. Like, I think we all just want to help people. Mm-hmm. And she decided to go into neuroscience and psychology and try and really unlock like what, how human brain works. And of course I've tried to get her into tech and artificial <laughs> intelligence throughout that. So <laughs> you know me, uh, she is so like, God, God has graced her life. She opened up her heart to like truly un like take out all of that hurt and angst and pain. And she does it every day and decided to channel her learnings into helping people like her. And 
then even take it like she is actually interning with a, our congresswoman in Beth Van Dyne and wants to eventually help um, change policies around mental health in the VA. I'm just Good. so oh, yeah. impressed by Nicolette because I think that we thought she was going to die. At one, I mean, she, well, she I mean, she did three times. Yeah. So there is <laughs> wow. that. Yeah. Her boyfriend died from an overdose. Mm-hmm. Um, the McClanahan's. We've had his mother yeah. on the show mm-hmm. um, and dad. And then I think that I have heard that heroin is very, very difficult to like kick and it's like rehab and rehab and they were those deaths was it fentanyl uh he his was i think yeah yeah Yeah. i've heard of a lot of of yeah yeah which is so scary and then to see her now i just feel like it's very impressive and i i think that when we do the show i just i feel like with your mom i feel like it's a it's important for people to deal with things head on mm-hmm. instead of suppressing feelings yeah. of things that have happened. Cause I, and I know the genetic issue, but I think that's a lot for your mom is stuff is. Yeah. wasn't dealt with. Well, I mean, I think it it's super important to highlight like a lot of the stuff that she's gone through is also things that her mom did to her mm-hmm. and what her mom's mom did to her. And it's very like your patterns and behaviors and how you cope with stress <clears throat> and trauma. Kind of like we were talking about earlier is very indicative. Yeah, it it just continues, and I I'm happy that my sister kind of started that happy like or that pattern of healthy behavior to correct the way she was thinking about herself, the way she was thinking about life, and Juliana followed suit, and my mom followed suit, and Nicolette kind of broke some of the patterns, and it's I have to like thank her every day because I still call her and I'm like, Hey, my uh, therapist for EMDR was talking about this, 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 and this. And she's like, Oh yeah. And like, she'll tell me how it breaks down in the brain and everything. Cause like an EMDR is eye movement therapy, right? Yes. I actually, instead of doing like the flashing lights, I, it's just the bilateral stimulation that you need for your brain. So I do buzzers, Mm -hmm. um, because I do it remotely too, since I live in Florida now. Right. Um, but the EMDR therapy was super helpful for me to like reconnect Program. to my emotions and process them cognitively instead of because that helps with trauma. Right? Yeah, it helps. It helps you process the trauma that you're basically stuck in. And so, yeah, the all of the work Nicolette's done, all the work my mom's done, and to be honest, like we kind of only touched on like some of the the negatives from us growing up, but like she's come such a far away. Like we can have a conversation without me being like angry off the bat. And that's, I was going to ask how that is all going like today. What is everything? It's, it's a work in progress. Right. Um, there's like still habits that happen, but like I have CPTSD, codependent post-traumatic stress disorder. Yes. So like I have a codependency problem because of the type of dynamic we had in our family. Mm -hmm. Like who knew this, right? It's generational. It happens each generation, but like being cognitive, cognizant of it and like processing and trying to actively change those behaviors and creating healthy boundaries Mm -hmm. is what I've worked on. My mom's doing the same thing and it's improved some of our communication. Um, It's improved my communications with my sisters. I've recognized how I've possibly traumatize them through like being overbearing and like you know being the mom yeah being the mom and just like 
it's mental health is so important. People really need to like take a step back sometimes and recognize that just because someone may be doing something that upsets you, they might not know the underlying implications of how they're acting or their lack of boundaries or over boundarying. Um, it's really interesting to see how that's manifested in many of my relationships, boyfriends, friends, things like that. So just, many triggers. Right. <laughs> I'm just so grateful for the people I have in my life that have been patient with me while I go through my journey on figuring out how to actually have healthy boundaries. <laughs> well, because it's a lot on you, too. Yeah. It was a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, focusing on my sister and my mom a lot has uh, what felt like a lack of focus on my mental health. Right. And I actually realized that it's not a lack of people focusing on me. I don't need the attention. I need to focus on myself. Right. Which I think is so great for people to hear or understand some of the things you brought up or the mm-hmm. therapies or the going back Yeah, to find all those things. Yeah. And, and like as you do EMDR, like you talk about topics and you just keep kind of digging in and then you end up realizing what the underlying triggers are and then you see them in everyday life. I literally look around and like shit that triggers me. I'm like, Hup, I know where that comes from. <laughs> well, and once good. you know, you can kind of control it. Yeah, yeah. And then you're not so reactive. You're very present in the moment instead of like going into fight or flight mode. You're, hey, I really don't appreciate how you're talking to me. I would love to have this conversation. But if you're going to continue that tone, I'm just not going to have this conversation with you. Right. And it's super simple. But that's like the easiest way to like communicate. And like my communication skills are shit. <laughs> I mean, I I feel most people's communication Mm -hmm. is shit, you know? Because we aren't really ever taught how to do that sometimes. Right. Like, where's middle school and elementary school for this stuff? Yeah, exactly. It doesn't happen until we're in therapy years later. (laughs) That is so true. You create like a whole entire industry for people who have been... Uh, emotionally suppressed for their ha- their entire grade school, told that they need to accomplish things through grades. Yep. Their only worth is done through their grades. Yeah. And instead of enforcing the positive actions that they took, it's the outcomes, not the, the outcomes. inputs and the process yeah. that it took to get there. And that's like... That's a, yeah, the, the failures that actually teach you right. your lessons. Exactly. It's, oh, you failed. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and em- emotions, especially for, you know boys when you are younger and you show emotion it's like a sign of weakness you know yeah i mean growing up is always like you know only girls cry don't cry i'm gonna give you something to cry about and so yeah, you, know, you I just kind of that. like stop right and i feel that's why i'm so like unemotional you know mm-hmm. i mean i would cry you're told not like, to have <laughs> you know like try not to cry but you want right. to let your emotions out uh-huh. you know right. you don't know yeah because you have how. them too yeah, and you don't know how to let your emotions out when you're little, so you cry. And, yeah. And then you just hold them in and you just get used to holding, holding in your in. emotions. And that's the whole trauma cycle. So, like, when you let out your emotions, whether it's crying, outbursts of, like, Rah, you know, screaming in a pillow, like, I do that in EMDR. It's teaching me how to do the emotional progression and, like, actually complete the trauma cycle instead of staying in, like, that, you know, anxious how do I deal with this? I like shake and I sweat and like don't know what to do. And like that's the most interesting thing I think I've done through therapy is like, oh my God, I actually know how to like cry and not feel bad about it. But it's amazing that you have good therapy. I feel like everybody needs therapy. Oh yeah. They do. <laughs> they do. Everybody. Yeah, I think the pandemic really shone a light on mental health in this For country. Sure. And which I really is a great feel thing. even like this, like 
I mean, I've said it over and over. Even talking about your shit is therapeutic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, something mm-hmm. like this is. Yeah. I mean, just yeah. talking about it, saying it out loud. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, letting it go. Letting it go. Uh, yeah, Not I used to it. definitely have so much anger around like everything that I would cry. I was so angry. I'm like that. Yeah. And sometimes you don't even know why. I'm like, yeah. why yeah. am I so upset? Like, yeah. <laughs> but as I talk more and more about things and like process through therapy, it's been like, it's been great for me. I have a whole new perspective on my parents, a whole new, like em- empathetic, right? Right. I'm super hypological. I've kind of talked about this in the previous podcast. I literally cannot understand when people go crazy. So when my emotions go crazy, I am like, what is wrong with you? Mm-hmm. And therapy has been a blessing and a godsend. It makes me very happy to hear. And I think it's important for people. But I, I do feel like it's been more, like we've talked about it more and more. Yeah, and I want to say this too for the people that are listening. When you do therapy and if you've done therapy, you know, it doesn't end with just that first therapist. I feel that you have to go and look for someone that's going to like click and understand your vibe and feel yes. you, you know, and vice yeah. versa. That's I mean, the only way you're going to get true. something yeah. done. That's what Nicolette yeah. said, that yes. through Ashley, that was the only, like, that was the way she got better was mm-hmm. her therapist. Yeah. So, you know, don't think just because you've gone through one or even two or three or five therapists that, you know, it doesn't work. I mean, you really need to find that person, right person. that really understands you and, and you click with too. Right. Ashley, right. Sometimes it's just the matter of if you have trauma, you need someone who understands and can be a trauma therapist. It's really interesting you say that. I didn't even know I needed a trauma therapist. I did talk therapy for a long time and did mm-hmm. not actually get a recommendation from my therapist to go to trauma therapy. I thought yeah. therapy was talk therapy. Yeah. And Nicolette kind of opened my eyes to different types of therapy. And actually, Ashley recommended me to this EMDR therapist, Lynn. Yeah. She's amazing. Excellent. And... I couldn't be happier with her. That makes me so it's, happy. It's a work. It's work. It you have to put in the work too. Oh and my a God. lot of people think it's just talk, 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 and it's not. Yeah. There's yeah. work that goes into that. Yeah, I but mean, your mind is. I mean, it's like going to the gym. I mean, you can't get muscles yeah. if you don't work out. Right. I mean, you can't. Yep. Heal your. And like you said, there's different types of therapy. It's not yeah. just talk therapy. Right. You know, I mean, exactly. Especially when you've been through trauma, and trauma is different in all like forms yeah. for people yes. there's there's a book i recommend pia melody wrote facing codependence it's one of the most enlightening books i have ever read and had on audiobook and um the power of vulnerability by Brene brown is also another great book if like you're I like though. they're great I, yeah. I put them on audio and like if i'm driving to and from work i just listen, listen to, them. to I, them i keep them i repeat them because there's so many nuggets yeah in it and it's like oh my god i do this oh my god i do this Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Why do you know oh me? God. <laughs> yeah. Talking to you? me. Why is she know? talking at me? Yeah. But like, those are books that are so enlightening and help people. I've recommended them to people that are just like, hey, Dom, I'm so glad you're open about therapy. Like, to my coworkers, to my employees. I'm like, look, I'm not perfect. I go to therapy all the time. So, like, if you need but something, let me know. But I think that's so that's good great, for people yeah. to understand that nobody is perfect. Like, right. we all have shit. And if we would stop hiding that yeah. we're, like, all perfect, I feel like yeah. that's when you get better. Exactly. You know? Or it helps other people. I'm very <laughs> open about, you know, that I've been to therapy. Very open. I have no reason. No. That I feel like no one should hide that. I don't know, think or, so either. Or be embarrassed about it. I mean... Mm-hmm. I feel no, if more people did it, this world would be a better no, place. Yeah, you're yeah. trying to improve yourself, and there's nothing wrong with that. I no. take it, yep. it's like a badge of honor. <laughs> I wear it proudly. I got a therapy. I got a therapy. I got a therapy. <laughs> well, 
Thank you, Dominique, for sharing. Um, we're not done with you yet, though, because okay. we have Miss um, Polly Ooh. question. Yay. <laughs> what is it? I have this sound time. time. Oh, you're dun, fine. Dun, dun, dun. Dun. It's time to party with Miss Polly. So let's talk about what actually kind of one of my things because we all know how I feel about lubrication. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So um, most common sex accidents, believe it or not, is you tear your vagina. Oh, I bet that is common. Yes. What? When it's too dry? Actually, it hurts just reading that sentence, right? Um, But be particularly careful of the area just south of the vaginal opening, which is called the posterior fourchette. It's particularly prone to rips and tears. So at the bottom of the vagina, that little area right there that's very sensitive before the, the, the space, I guess between the bottom of the vagina and the uh, anus. The (laughs) perineum. Yes. The perineum. The the perineum. Yes. Mm -hmm. It's actually um, very common that um, sometimes over-enthusiastic thrusting can tear you. I like that sentence. Over-enthusiastic. You need to be just enthusiastic enough. (laughs) Not overly. (laughs) Also... Um, as well, a match between a small, tight vagina and a larger than average mm-hmm. penis. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So, so going down on them isn't isn't included as li- lubricant. No, oh, no, God, no, God. No. Bernie and Polly would have the biggest fights on that. <laughs> no, your spit is not lube. It's not. I mean, it's not, but it works, right? Uh- <laughs> Not all the time. Yeah. You'll tear your and vagina. And especially if you're, if they're not ready or you don't use lubricant. Well, that's why you go down um, on them first. That doesn't always do it. <laughs> you. They're doing it wrong. Bernie 2.0. Oh I God. mean, I'm not against lube. I'm just saying you yeah. don't well, always feel that, that I need it all the time. I agree. Know? I mean, I've been but fine here's with, the thing is it. a lot of times that and you some- don't. You think that you're lubricated, but that area right there is particularly prone to rips and tears, and you don't always know that you're torn until um, you go to the bathroom. And let me just tell you that peeing stings like hell. Does it heal on its own? It does heal. Because I think that's happened to me before. I'm not going to lie. If they're micro tears, they'll usually heal on their own. However... I have known a couple of women who, due to um, small type vagina, not enough lube, and a larger than average penis, she had to go and get stitched up. Stop. Oh my God. That's See like that. when you get split for pregnancy. Episiotomy. <laughs> I have a question yeah. for you, Miss Polly. <laughs> Coconut oil. How do you feel about it? It can be used. Coconut oil. I like it. Because I, I, yeah. I use that because I feel it's natural. Yeah. It it's is. also edible. Smells good, tastes good. Here's the problem that I do have with oils. They're not always great with condoms. Because they can degrade oh. because of the oil. And then oh. about that. And then there's that. <laughs> Shut well, down. Well, there- <laughs> so what you're saying is don't use condoms. <laughs> That's what you said, Miss Polly. I'm kidding. Not really. All right, let's go to our question of the day. Yes. 
The two posh girls ask the question of the day. Sometimes my mom's handwriting is so hard for me to read. It looks rough. <laughs> oh my God. Here. Yeah, it's tough. I've had to try to always like break it down Decipher. my whole life. So I'm, I'm better at it. Um, is it possible to recover from hating your job or is the only solution to find a new one? Uh, my solution is usually to find a new one. Yeah. Yep. To I find concur. a new one. That's a big part Me of your too. life. Yeah. It's I had a job. To. Yeah. Um, I would say I, unless there's, if there's an incident and you hate your job because of an incident, it's unrecoverable at that yeah. point. But I also think yeah. that it just depends on how much you actually enjoy what you do. I think maybe it just needs fair. to find a different place to do right, it. Right. Yeah. Same job, different place. Yeah. I yeah. think that we spend so much of our life working that, you know, if you're miserable, I, as hard as it might be to change, you should do it. <laughs> I feel also a lot of people just like kind of fall into their mm -hmm. jobs or careers. Yes. You're comfortable. Yeah. Comfortable. Yeah. And and maybe sometimes uh, they become good at it because of so much so practice, much time, yeah. but they fucking hate, hate it. it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, there's a lot of engineers like that. Find <laughs> your passion. And it's like good money, Great but they money. hate it. Hate their jobs. Yeah. Great money. And that's though. so much of your life yeah. that you yeah. hate going yeah. to every day. Now this is something I've really uh, like looked into because uh, I like I used to do vending, like vending machines and stuff yeah. like mm -hmm. that. And I thought that I liked it at the time. Like when you're in it, you, you're like, all right, this is cool. Until yeah. you, you're out and you do something else. I was like, that was fucking miserable. <laughs> I knew I hated that job. Yeah. I knew that was not cool. Like that was me in the service industry. I absolutely oh, hated it. Great tips. Loved it. Bartending. I fucking hated that. Hated the people. It was so miserable. <laughs> I just hated That's that. That's where I'm at right now. I'm honestly, you know, Believe it or not, the years that I spent as an administrative and office manager were probably my five happiest years. <laughs> Is and that because of the people you were around? I think it was because of the people I was around, but I was doing things that I loved to do. Right. Mm -hmm. Finding a way to make money doing what you love is the hardest. Yeah. And yeah. trying to find worked. a job here where I'm at and doing administrative assistant and being in that environment has been almost impossible mm. and so i'm kind of where i'm at just because it's who hired me you know right. well i hope you find it miss polly <laughs> you will miss polly Thank there's you. so many remote roles you can do just go to like yeah. remotework.com and remote you'll find dominatrix <laughs> <laughs> no that's what like only fans is for right exactly there you go yeah miss I'm going to start Miss Polly OnlyFans. Yeah, yeah. Miss Polly OnlyFans. Well, thank you so much for listening. <laughs> I'm looking it up later. <laughs> thank you, Dominique, for coming on. Thanks for having me. And um, what is your social media if people want to find you uh, and you, talk to you? You can find me on LinkedIn. Yeah. Dominique Pianelli on LinkedIn. Can you spell uh, that? Pianelli. Pianelli. D-O-M-I-N-I-Q-U-E. P-I-A-N as in Nancy. E-L-L-I. Lots of vowels there. Lots of vowels. Well, thank you so much for listening and subscribe, rate us, leave a comment, follow us on all social media. You know what they are. Ooh. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Dominique. If you like our show, you can follow us on all social media handles. Two Posh Podcast is on 
uh, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, as well as Tupac Boutique is on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And my personal Instagram is Gabby Talks, and my Facebook is Gabrielle Kendler Gilmore. So reach out to us, and here's Marcella's social media handles. Also, our podcast is on all podcast networks. Um, that you can find I you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat at Marcella Ranieri. Nothing really creative. My first and last name name M A R C E L L A R A N E R I. You can find me on Facebook at Bernie Diamond, or you can find follow me on Instagram at underscore Bernie underscore Diamond. And there you go. And Two Push Podcast is also on YouTube. We have our own YouTube yes. channel, Miss Polly. Yes, you can follow me on Instagram at PR by Polly. My Twitter handle is Miss Polly Sex EDU. Hey. Beautiful, everyone. Thank you for listening. Subscribe to our channel, subscribe to podcasts, YouTube. And YouTube. You can see us all. Yeah, and and you, everyone have a wonderful day. Uh-huh.